Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Arian here. This week on the podcast, we're revisiting our favorite episodes of 2023. And today I've chosen mine. But actually, before I dive into it, I just wanted to remind you that if you've been enjoying our show this year, please consider joining Club Retrospectors, which is a way to support us and to send us some love and get a bunch of perks for yourself as well. So for less than a pound a week, you get an ad-free feed of the show on whatever your favorite podcast app is and get access to our full-length Sunday episodes a whole year before they drop onto the feed. And you'll also instantly unlock a ton of bonus bits from our archive, more than 100 of them, in fact. It's super simple to do. You can join Club Retrospectors now at patreon.com slash retrospectors or do it on Apple Podcasts. Both very simple and straightforward. You can even give it a shot with a free trial. So if you don't like it, you can just quit. And every penny you give helps directly support this show. Okay, so one of my favorite episodes for 2023 was Richard I's Awkward Wedding Night, which is all about the day that Richard the Lionheart finally got married in Cyprus, in a union that was, well, almost certainly more political alliance than it was a love match. And there were a few things that I enjoyed about this episode. First of all, in it, we're forced to consider what it would have been like to have your own stepson also be your brother thanks to the tendency of medieval kings not to exactly respect boundaries with their family members' wives and girlfriends. And second, there was just this nice little aside from Rebecca at one point ruminating on how young most women were forced to marry in those days. She says of the future Queen of England, Berengaria of Navarre, that she was still on the shelf in her mid-twenties, which at the time, Rebecca says, made her practically a crone, which just tickled me. And then finally, I enjoyed the in this episode, as it progresses, it turns into a kind of romantic movie chase sequence with women chasing down kings and trying to marry them or spend time with them only to then see them skip off to the next stop on their crusade to the Holy Lands. It's kind of Shakespearean history play meets Richard Curtis comedy caper. Honestly, there's so much that's fascinating about Richard the Lionheart that we didn't even get to cover in this episode. So I'd heartily recommend History Extra's article titled Richard the Lionheart may not even have spoken English, plus seven more surprising facts. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode and we'll be back with a brand new series on the 1st of January 2024. And I look forward to seeing you then. It was today in history that the legendary medieval warrior king Richard the Lionheart wed Berengaria of Navarre. It was an unusual wedding in many respects. Not only did it take place in Cyprus, the homeland of neither party, the bride became the only Queen of England never to visit England, and the groom was probably gay. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, Richard the Lionheart was the older brother of John, who we talked about last week as in King John Magna Carta. But this is before that. Mm. So Richard the Lionheart becomes King of England at the age of 31, still a bachelor. 
1191. Draw your own conclusions there. Um, <laughs> but it's really important that he has an heir for all the reasons we talked about regarding his mother, Eleanor of Aquitaine, which is that she came with a huge swathe of France. Mm. So the reason that he's a particularly powerful English king is because his mum was French, really. And if he doesn't have an heir, then what's going to happen is uh, slowly but surely England's going to lose bits of France, which is, spoiler, what happened. Yeah, and part of the reason why Richard I hadn't married until this moment was that he'd actually been betrothed since he was a little kid to Elise of France, who was the sister of King Philippe Augustus. But Richard's father, King Henry II, had made Elise his mistress. Uh, and so Richard was understandably a little bit reluctant to marry her, especially given that gossip claimed that Alice may even have borne the late king, his father's child. And I guess it wouldn't quite do to have your own stepson as your brother. It's going to be a hard sell to the Pope, isn't it? Yeah. You've got to get the Pope to sanction all these unions. Yeah. It's like, my son would like to marry my mistress, please. Yeah, I mean, Eleanor of Aquitaine had obviously, as we covered in a previous retrospective episode, had obviously already had a pretty troubled history with marriage herself. And she got very involved in marrying off her own children in what she thought would be the most advantageous way. So she'd already married off her daughter, Eleanor, at the age of nine to Alfonso VIII of Castile in modern-day Spain, which bordered with her territory in France. And there was just one remaining little bit of border that wasn't covered, and that was Navarre, a relatively small Spanish. Spanish kingdom. So a union with Navarre would create this huge swathe of united territory over which, you know, she would have some sway and then certainly her children. So she set on Berengaria of Navarre, who was a few years younger. She was in her early or mid-twenties at the time, you know, practically a crone. She was Really in, she on was the in, shelf. Wow. She was in double digits. Um, <laughs> she was... But she was, I mean, it wasn't, <laughs> I tell you what, she wasn't on the shelf for lack of being attractive. Lots of contemporary chroniclers said she that she was very fair, which they kind have had to say at the time but also more the, the chronicler Amboise describes her as a wise maiden noble brave and fair neither false nor disloyal the I'm not hearing them... attractive there no I mean F- fair. 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 fair well the other advantage that she represented was that she was going to bring a not insubstantial dowry that for Eleanor of Aquitaine she thought this would help her kid Richard put together the finance that he needed to run his third crusade. And that, you know, was really in her thinking when this whole thing started up. And Eleanor actually went to pick up uh, Berengaria herself. I mean, fierce woman. She's now pushing 70 years old. Yeah. And she's clearly still pulling the strings. Like, how do we secure a Plantagenet heir so that we can continue this Anglo-French dynasty? How do we recoup the costs of this holy war and she comes up with a solution and she personally goes to get this woman yeah. and say, look, marry her now. I mean, it's impressive dedication at a time when it wouldn't have been easy going across the Pyrenees in the <laughs> 1190s. Yeah, and they were meeting with Richard in Sicily. I mean, he was technically he was on the Third Crusade, but you will notice that Sicily is not the Holy Land and it was not ruled by Muslims at the time. It was a very meandering campaign. <laughs> and the reason that he'd gone there, and he was actually, he was with Philip Auguste of France. They had this kind of goofy, odd, couple arrangement that they would both go on crusade because neither of them trusted the other one not to invade their territory if they left. So they were stopping (laughs) off in Sicily because Richard's sister Joan, who had been married to the King of Sicily, who had died, 
She'd been imprisoned by his cousin and usurper, Tancred, so they were stopping off there to smoothen all of that out, which they did. And during this time, Richard was also able to kind of tactfully break off his engagement to Philip's sister, Elise, the one who was reportedly sleeping with his dad, and discreetly get Berengaria brought out to Messina, where he was waiting. But the problem was that it was Lent and they couldn't get married. Well, so, mm, well, really? Oh, well, this, mean, you know, when, you know, I, oh, it's again, Lent. It's just you know, it's not a great time just, for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is this is sacrilege. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. When your mum, who's the queen of two nations, says you can get married to this woman, and the Pope's into it, I don't think you can bring up Lent. No, really, there's something else going well, I on. I did, I did look it up, and apparently, you, it's only Good Friday that you're not supposed to get married on, and right. Easter Saturday. So there are plenty of other days in Lent where you could be getting married. If <laughs> he you really always found to a reason, it. didn't he? He'd had 20 years of practice of finding reasons not to marry women at well, this point. Yeah, and his ongoing reason was that he had to keep moving towards the Holy Land. And even though he'd just stopped off and enjoyed the wine and the pasta and everything. Uh, but he, you know, he had to get going now. And so now that Berengaria was joined up with Joan, they kept trying to chase him down, basically. So Richard mm. is off trying to get to the Holy Land. And so are they. But Berengaria and Joan then have this catastrophic moment where they're shipwrecked on the coast of Cyprus in this violent storm. And the Cyprians then besieged this ship pretty much to take all the loot. Yeah, and you know what that means, guys? Destination wedding. Because Joan <laughs> and Berengaria were then imprisoned by Isaac Komnenos, who was the brutal despot, who kind of like eccentric and angry man who had somehow got control of Cyprus and was running it as a personal fiefdom. It was pretty bold, knowing that Richard was going to the Third Crusade to just Ooh. abduct his sister and fiancé <laughs> and be like, this probably won't have any consequences. So Richard arrived, swiftly took control of Cyprus, deposed Isaac, and then the decided... I guess, mm. Yeah, I mean, at this point, feeling like it's probably time that you have to seal the deal on this marriage after <laughs> everything that's happened. They yeah. got married at the Chapel of St. George in Limassol Castle. We don't know what the ruler of Cyprus had got up to with uh, Bengaria during this period. And for a man that didn't do much that was very noble romantically with this woman, at least stepping in and marrying her did uh, stop there being a stigma around her, which is kind of the least he could do, right? Mm. And then, according to some accounts, misses the wedding night uh, before he heads off to f for three years more fighting. Yeah, so she actually travelled in the same direction, ending up in Accra in Palestine. She was accompanying Richard, but it's unclear quite how close to one another they were at this time. His indifference to her as an individual is crystal clear, even from this distance. Yes. Um, he, he spent 14 months in captivity. He was captured in Austria. And then when he made it back to England in 1194, he had a second coronation and he didn't invite his wife to it. I mean, that tells you, doesn't it? That they're not having the best relationship. They had been apart for nearly three years at this point. And after this, I mean, the, obviously the records are quite you know, thin from this era. We know that they spent Christmas 1194 together. We know that they attended Joan's wedding in October 1196 together. But that's possibly it. She didn't even attend his funeral. Yeah, and then after his death, I mean, more and more chronicles emerging that suggest that he was homosexual. He may have been having a relationship with Berengaria's brother, Sancho, when he was a teenager, not the same time he was married to her, but nonetheless you can see why that wouldn't make her his first choice of wife. Um, that he was so close to King Philip II that according to one chronicler in 1187, quote, at night the bed did not separate them. Uh, that's been seen by some historians as... Uh, a symbolic um, way of uh, unifying their countries at night. Uh-huh. 
(laughs) (laughs) Exactly. There was this fascinating attempt at a reappraisal by the BBC uh, where one of Richard's biographers, Professor John Gillingham, said exactly that, that this was them pretty much physically getting into bed with each other to prove how much they trusted one another. And Mm. he sort of went on to say, you know, we still have this phrase, getting into bed with each other, as an idea of, you know, leaders being potentially in one another's pockets on something significant. But it does seem pretty thin. It feels like when you actually jump into bed with a fellow monarch, maybe there's something else going on. (laughs) Tomorrow. He's kind of public enemy number one. No one wants to admit they backed him and he's chucked in Newgate prison. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.